podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome to the Scarlet Supporters Pembrokeshire Podcast. Okay, so here we go again then with another Scarlet Supporters Westerer is Besterer podcast with me, Lee G, and Big M, as uh, as he calls himself <laughs> nowadays. Martin, how are we doing, my friend? I'm all right, mate. How are you, bud? Yeah, good, good. I, do you know what I've been doing this week? Right? What? It's so not rugby related now, right? So we went shopping yesterday for a sofa. Oh, yeah, wow. a new sofa. Oh my Jesus Lord! I, I mean, we, we got to the so like you start with like, I mean, there's like a million sofas, like they're bloody everywhere, and, and we narrowed it down to right this. It's either this one or this one, and like one is six months, six months to get a bloody sofa, and the other one is three months. I'm like right, okay. So then the wife wanted to check and see if they match with a carpet. You know, you get like a, a, a book and in that book, there's like a hundred different blooming fabrics. So she go, oh, let me check that one and that one. Let's order the, the these little fabric pieces. They take a month to come. It's just a piece of fabric. And it's like a month to get a piece of fabric to my house that was no wonder it takes six months to get a sofa there if it only takes a month to it takes a month just to get this tiny little square and i'm like surely people you know we cannot be that difficult six months for a sofa anyway we're not getting the six months we're getting the three months provided it doesn't clash with the carpet and it's close enough for the carpet then we're going to go with the three month one which has got a, 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 an electric recliner on it, mate. Electric recliner? What is yeah. that? Well, it's, it, you know, the, the recliners that you kind of push the back and the front comes up, you've got a little yeah. bar on the side and it does that. Well, that's either all or nothing. It's either like all the way up all or way all up. the way down. Electric recliner, you just go wherever you want and you just push the button and you go stop there. And oh, I tell you what, the wife was talking to the salesperson. I was just sitting there playing with the recliner. I was going up, <laughs> down, up, up a bit more, up a bit more. And I was looking at it and going, like the back of it works differently to the, the leg bit. And I'm going, okay, yeah, I could watch rugby from here. That that, that was my entire, like, judging of the... um. The, the whole thing was, can I watch rugby from this position? Do you know what I mean? So, um, yeah. It's a bit like a hospital bed then. Yeah, a little bit, and only only nice. Um, <laughs> but yeah. Um, anyway, yeah. So that was my that was my sofa. That was my sofa bit for the week. So at some point, we'll have a nice new sofa that will will have a nice electric recliner on it, and I'll be able to watch the um, I'll be able to watch the rugby in in peace on my new electric sofa. So, <laughs> so let's let's crack on with rugby stuff. Let's crack on with rugby stuff. What did we think of the, Let's start with the Georgia game. We'll go with the Georgia game. What What do we think of the Georgia game? Uh, I, I don't want to comment, if I'm honest with <laughs> it. Um, I'll comment on Josh McLeod. I thought he was brilliant. I was very disappointed to see him be taken off. Yeah, me too. 
he had three turnovers. No, nobody else had turned over that ball at all. And one of them was a try-saving turnover, you know? Yeah, and I don't understand. Obviously, this is going to go back to the squad selection. Now, he was picked to date. He played blindside the entire game. Even on the scrums, he was playing blindside. Yeah, I thought that. I thought he kind of slipped into eight every now and again. But was he, at scrum time, he was definitely blindside, wouldn't he? Yeah, Tipperick was at the back. I mean, like, I, yeah. I don't understand. It, it, was it a, a bit of a mental play? Or this is our number eight, and then just going to switch it up? Yeah, or it's that attitude. I mean, there was essentially three sevens on the pitch, and any one of them could have played number eight, sort of a thing, you know. Because they're all none of them are small boys, you know. You know, like Cubby used to be a, uh, in comparison to some of the others, he was a smaller statured seven, but uh, and you wouldn't put Cubby at eight. But any of those three sevens that we had on the pitch on Saturday, I'd have quite comfortably put six seven or eight so yeah yeah it's i i would have liked to have seen um mcleod uh falatau and jack morgan just you'll just stay i i thought as a as a balanced back row that would have been excellent but for all the fussing to do about how good falatau is he did nothing when he was either that one chip and chase that he then knocked on, and that was about it. You know, that was. I I understand the hype. I, well, it's not hype anymore. He's confirmed it with Falatau, but he's he's not the player he, he has been in the past. I know he's put in some good shifts for Cardiff, and you know we had, he had a, a good game against New Zealand. But he, he's only at about you know eighty, maybe eighty-five percent of his best. I, I don't know if he can get to that peak anymore. Hmm. So, you know, how when he came on in that Georgia game, you know, things were starting to go backwards anyway. And then they just seemed to get worse and worse. We just didn't seem to have any go forward in the forwards. Do you know what I mean? From I think it started with the front rows. Where they, they took Ken off. There was no replacement for the... Um, the experience, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know, there, there was no. If they'd have brought Alan Wynne Jones on, you maintain that experience, that drive, the the leadership in the forwards, yeah. And as good as Bradley Roberts is, and I've not got a problem with Bradley Roberts, um, but he didn't impose himself on the game. You know, he's still finding his feet at international level, which he needs to. But there was no, there was nobody left in that pack. That was shouting and screaming and going, you know, this this doesn't happen on our home turf. You know, this doesn't happen against Georgia. You know, there was nobody, there were no fire in the eyes going, you know, this that last scrum where they just absolutely destroyed us. You know, even at youth level, you'd have somebody there screaming and grabbing your props and going, right, you know, I want everything on this. I did this. This is, you know, this is important. This is what we do, and it just didn't feel like there was the leadership on the pitch that I think we desperately need. And, yeah, and I, 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 I think that all goes back to selection. I, I think Pivak got his team selection absolutely wrong. He, he, he had it completely backwards. I mean, you have your experience on the bench, not your, your new boys. You know, for a mm. game like this. I, I really think that that's probably the one area 
where I have lost faith with Pivac is in his team selections. I'm not understanding them. And with bringing in new players, I, mm. I just don't understand how five minutes here and there is going to allow them to adapt to international level. Yeah, I, th- I think he needs to bring players in because we just don't have... I mean, we've said this before, we just don't have the depth that we need to 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 have to play... Um, not necessarily play at that level, you know. I th- I'd say we've got a, a solid 22. If everyone's fit, we've got a solid 22 that will compete with the best in the world. And we saw that in South Africa. The problem comes when you lose bigger and then you lose half penny and then you lose Johnny Williams at inside centre. And so you've lost three backs. And then you go, right, okay, now I'm into my second level of those backs and it just takes one or two people to have an, you know, an off day and, and and you're really really starting to struggle then you know we've got George North who's a winger playing at outside centre still not imposing himself as an outside centre he's doing okay but he's not imposing himself and then we've got like some of the most exciting back three on the planet in terms of you know, Dyer Zamet and uh, whoever we choose to put on the other wing, to be honest, whether that's um, oh god, what's Adams, yeah, Josh Adams, or uh, yeah, we we could put anybody. We've got an exciting back three, and we're just not getting the ball to them because we've not got the players in front. We we've got forwards who are getting stuffed, and then we've got backs who are finding their feet, you know, and playing together. And there's there's just no leadership on that pitch and that's that was the bit for me that just you know Tiprick isn't a leader he's he's a decent player he's a good oh, club player I wouldn't say he's not a leader he, he's not a captain but, but he you know he does put his hand up he, he is he can be quite chopsy when you can you know when you see him in the little huddles mm. I, I don't think he's quite captain material at this level but no he, he is definitely a leader in my eyes mm. well yeah, I'd like to see for this weekend. I think Tipper gets dropped and Ken gets made captain. I think Sheriff at the front, giving it large, giving it some welly, and then my back row then would be um, Fala Tower 8 and McLeod and um, Jack Morgan. And I, I think that would provide us with a lot of ball, particularly, I mean, Hooper is out for the Australia game. But um, if we can, you know, Australia like to play the game around the back row. They base their game around the back row and, you know, where the back row can do damage sort of thing. So, I think Valatini is, uh, is struggling as well. Yeah, they, they're really down to the bare bones. And if we put three sevens on the park again and they play the way they did in that first half, you know, we should be, you know, 15, 20 odd points up. You know, against Georgia, by the end of that first half, we should have been 20, 25 points to the good, you know. But yeah, I just, I don't, like you say, it's that selection bit and you can only. You can only put the players on the park that you select, and I I think that is where he's getting it wrong as well. But then I think that's part of a bigger a, a bigger a, a bigger picture as well, you know. So 
I, I, there's been a lot of, of stuff in the press about about Sack Pivak and this, that, and the other. What's your thoughts on it? Where does he where does he stand? I mean, I I don't know. Like like I like I just said, I I've lost a bit of faith with him on the selections. Hmm. I I still think that that he is he's a very capable coach, and that you know we we saw in twenty twenty one the Six Nations that he can produce the sort of play that we want to see it. I know there's a, a few red cards in that tournament that uh, benefited us, mm. but at the same time, you've still got to play the game. Mm. So uh, unless the person who the WRU wants to take over after him after the next World Cup, because he, he's not surviving after the next World Cup unless we get to the final. Like, yeah. I, I've, got no, I've got no doubt about that. Mm. But, and, unless that person is available now, then I don't see the point in chopping and changing just to do the exact same thing in a year's time. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's my take on it as well. That um, I, I can't, I genuinely can't see him surviving past um, the Six Nations. Um, what I would like to see is similar to what New Zealand did, where you know, they changed a couple of coaches in the setup. And it had a little bit of an effect. Um, that that's what we saw at the end of twenty twenty though. Where was it? Was it Byron? Yeah, Hayward went. Yeah, and there was a reaction to um, you know Gethin Jenkins coming in, but I think uh, you know for the for the best will in the world, Stephen Jones should have stayed at the Scarlets and should have taken over as head coach at the Scarlets. That's 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 what should have happened. Um, I when Pivak was made head coach, uh, I said at the time that I didn't think it was a good idea, and nothing to do with the form of the Scarlets at the time. It was based on if you take anybody from any other regions, you automatically have a problem with somebody, you know. The, you, you, if you put a Scarlet's coach in there, Osprey's coaches are, are gonna absolutely. Osprey supporters are just gonna. They're, they're not gonna give him a fifty-fifty at all. You know, we saw that with Priestland. When Priestland had a bit of a um, dodgy season, and Osprey's fans just ripped him to shreds. For, uh, and and he's, he turned it round, but it took him three or four seasons out of Wales to get back to where he was. And now he's probably too old to to maximise the skill that he had. So, yeah, I think anybody that gets promoted internally um, is just on a hide into nothing, you know, from the start. They're just not going to get the run of the green. If you remember when um, we put we took Ron Waldron from Neath, this is way back, end of the 80s now, 80s, 90s. So, Ron Waldron and Neath were beating everything. I think they, they beat... Um, Australia or something like that. And we went, right, okay, Ron Waldron, he's the guy. And he got absolutely slated by everybody that watched every game. And I think he lasted 12 months and he went. And then we did it with the guy from Cardiff, Alec. Oh, God, I've forgotten his name again. Anyway, so the, the guy from Cardiff, tall guy, moustache, Australian, he came in. This guy's going to rescue Wales. But Cardiff supporters are going, yeah, he's fantastic. And then everyone else went, he's a bag of crap. So, and I think he suffered from that. And it just on the basis that 
yeah. nobody's going to give him a chance to, to do it. And as soon as they've had a chance, they've stuck the boot in. So, you know, I think whoever comes in after him needs to come out from out. So, so what's your thoughts on on Pivot then? Where is it? Where has it gone wrong? Where is where is it going? Is it going right anywhere at all? And and you know, how does he solve it? I honestly, I have no idea. I mean, I, I I don't understand why they can't play the right way. Well, not the right way, but the way Pivak wants you to see is is a step or two slow. I don't know whether or not it's a loss of faith in him or if the boys just haven't got the, the fitness to do it. I know um, there was talk, you know, when the squad is named about Carrie's uh, conditioning level not being up to scratch. So I, I'm really not sure what the overall issues are. Mm. I I think you know the best thing he could do right now is you know just chuck every youngster in for Australia to give him experience, load the bench with the likes of Ken Owens, Alan Wynn, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, and just give him our experience. And then if he's still there, come Six Nations, because I'm I'm really not sure if he's going to be pick a younger squad. And just give them those five games to adjust to international level and give us a bit more depth. Because mm. okay, we don't know what our best 15 is. Well, he doesn't know what our best 15 is. But he knows he's got 15 players that can do a job. So uh, put the ones immediately behind who haven't got that sort of level of experience. In and let them have a run of games. Because no one's going to be expecting anything the Six Nations now. I mean, I expect most people think it's going to be a wooden spoon affair. Mm. So uh, there really is nothing to lose, especially if the WIU say, yeah, you can stick it out to the World Cup. You should just go, look, I'm just going to play these kids now, essentially, in the Six Nations. We're probably not going to have a great result. But this is what we need to do to build that bit of depth and going into the summer games against England and is it Ireland we're playing in the summer? Uh, I think it's yeah I think uh, two against England and one against Ireland isn't it? And then but, I'll start picking our, our best 15 for those games to, mm. to build into the World Cup so uh, I, I think he can still do it there's there's obviously there's opportunity there and you know I, I know it was 18 months, but South Africa came in and swapped everything around 18 months before World Cup and done it. There are players there who can perform at the highest level. So, you know, there's no reason why he can't, you know, stick in the job and get a good performance out of, out of Wales at the World Cup. Hmm. And to be fair, we have got a fair few players to come back from injury to boost that squad. Um, you know, Wynne Jones, a prop. Uh, we've got bigger. We've got um, Sanjay. You know, we we we've got players out who can make an impact. We've got big impact players who are not there at the minute and who will be back by Six Nations or by uh, World Cup. And it's a case of kind of getting to that that place. But I think you know, there's a lot of stuff going around at the minute that. It kind of um, it it we're papering over the cracks, but we've been papering it, over the cracks for a decade. Yeah, and and I think that's kind of that's coming to the fore now, and it's lots of lots of us have been saying this for a long time, but you know it's particularly under the, under the Gatland era, 
where there, there were a lot of issues that were there. They could be seen, particularly if you were at a lower level of the game and you, you could see that it was kind of crumbling around your ears and nobody was doing anything about it. But it was OK because we were winning Grand Slams. We were winning Six Nations. We were, you know, we were playing well. We were high in the world rankings. And I think that's kind of come home to roost now. I think it's it's really showed that we need a strong pyramid, not just not just the top. You need, you know, hundreds of kids at under sevens being coached the right way at under sevens. You know, you need you need a lot of coaches. You need a lot of players, and then as they get older, they 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 need that support. They need their they need more academies. They need more coaching. They need more exposure to a higher level of game before they get anywhere near to um, to uh, you know regions and nationals and and this that and the other. We just didn't put that in place. We, we you know we had the money there, and we went hey great yeah let's let's pay a bit of the debt off on the national stadium fine fair enough, but. It just you know the 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 failure to invest in the rest of the system is is coming home to roost now, it's, and it's yeah. sitting there for all to see. So, I mean, I think an, a good simple thing we could do is to just keep schools rugby for a few more years up to under eighteen. So you know the Dewar Shield sides are selected at under fifteens, keep doing that for three more years. Mm. You know, just just to keep and you know do away with the. Uh, you know the the actual academy sides. Have your training and whatever with with the Scarlets, Ospreys, wherever. Hmm. But keep those players, or you know, new ones coming in and whatever. Keep those going for a few more years, just to you know build our level, just to keep everyone in the game. But I think that's that's where it breaks down. Where you know the the colleges and the school system doesn't support um, rugby. You know, and I'm not. I'm not saying it should do. I'm not saying that that's the purpose of school is to support rugby teams. But you know, our local school hasn't got enough boys in it at the the A level to to field a team. You know, and end up there are not, not enough. And the the purpose of the college rugby was to kind of replace that. To, to you know to be that next level up and to take boys who were going to to do that and it just doesn't do it it just doesn't do it and and you get things like you know if you're from Aberystwyth or Pembrokeshire that step to higher level rugby at Scarlets just it, it it's too far away it's too big you know the Pembrokeshire College doesn't do it and that's why so many of the college boys have gone to college cigar is because they can't play that higher level rugby at Pembrokeshire College and what it means now is that there are a whole load of boys at Pembrokeshire College who probably could play a higher level given the opportunity given the the chance but they, they they're stuck in a team that's kind of not going anywhere you know, and, and and I think this is what I mean by that that structure isn't working. I think it works in the inner cities. Um, but I'm 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 willing to bet that they miss quite a few boys out from the inner cities as well. But it, it's just not working in enough places for enough people 
uh, and we're, we're missing a whole raft of players who could come through and play rugby at a higher level, and they're just not there. They, they're sat at home watching the game going, yeah, I could have. Maybe I could have played, you know. It is, it is disappointing when, when you look at it. I, I mean, the WIU announced, you know, the playing numbers every single year. And, you know, from, from under sevens to under 16s, you know, that that's nine years hmm. or 10 years, however you want to look at it. So that number should be the same number as our senior players. You know, 10 years, senior players should arguably be a bit more. Hmm. But it, it is literally a fraction of the amount of players we, we got at age grade. And it's like, you know, there's obviously something going wrong hmm. because from, from the age grade rugby into youth, and then into seniors, the drop-off is absolutely massive. And as a country of only three, three and a half million people, you know, we, we can't afford to do that. I mean, rugby is supposed to be the national game. I mean, you you are right, schools aren't there for rugby purposes, but at the same time, the WIU should be go should be trying to get in with the the education ministers and saying, Look, we need we we've got a massive problem by you. Hmm. Can you, you know, help us out, keep keep our game at the forefront? And that kind of brings us round to the whole thing about governance and responsibility of the people at the top of the WRU. Um, so, yeah, before I go off on one, go, go, what's, what's your thoughts on the guys at the top of the WRU and the structure and the governance and, and all of that? I mean, it works well for the amateur clubs. It, it really does. But, you know, the whole point of the WIU is to govern the professional side and the amateur side. Mm. And the way it's set up is the same as it was, you know, back in the amateur days. These local clubs who, who are the lifeblood of rugby, don't get me wrong, they got control over these professional entities and they should be completely separate under the same umbrella. Mm. But the amateur shouldn't be able to say what the professional do and the professional shouldn't be able to say what the amateur do. And I, I just done an, I, I can see, you know, uh, I can't remember who it was, one of the last chairmen of the WIU. We wanted to change some things and he got ousted. And now Nigel Walker is trying to change a few things. And, you know, when you, when you need the support of, was it like 66% or 75%? Yeah, 75%. Of, yeah. of the amateur clubs, it, it's not going to work. Mm. The, the only way I can imagine anything happening is if, the government come in and get involved and I, I can't see that happening or if the regions and the Welsh national team somehow split away from the WRU and form their own sort of union and it sort of splits in that sort of way hmm. to try and get away from that amateur control yeah and I think it's very easy to sit there and criticise the, the um, amateur clubs uh, and lots of us do you know, and don't get me wrong, they, they should not, like you say, you're absolutely bang on right, they, they should not be controlling what happens at the professional um, end of the game. But they are the lifeblood of the game. So we, we need something that works for everybody. And I think that's the bit that people kind of um, miss at the minute. I see a lot of people uh, asking or demanding that we go back to this top only approach that happened under Gatland and all you do you, you just kick in the can down the lane 
we're, you know, in another five years, we'll be in the same place. Another five years, we'll be in the same place. And we're just constantly focusing on, you know, maybe 30 players at the very top of the game. And, and that's not a sustainable way of doing it. The sustainable way of doing it is to have everybody around the table and say, right, okay, let's rip this up and start again. It's the, the time for, when, when I was involved in, in club rugby, from an administration point of view, um, I, I kept being told that, no, we need to, it's about evolution, not revolution. We, we change little bits every now and again so that we don't have this great, big, massive fallout. And everybody was scared of this this great, big, massive fallout because, oh, we'll lose players and, you know, nobody will come and watch the game and this club may go and, and all of this kind of stuff. And it's a load of rubbish. Because you're in a position now where to a 10 years, 15 years down the line from when I was having those conversations, where actually what they were saying that they didn't want to happen is now happening. Those That failure to make big decisions, that failure to, to grab the bull by the horns and say, actually, this is what we need for the future, that, that failure of vision, failure of leadership is now having an effect and 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 that's the bit that people don't see they they'll see that when wells play well more people come and watch rugby more people go and play rugby and they think yeah this is great what they don't see is that in order to get wales to play well you have to invest for 10 years in every single stage of that triangle to get players up and up and up and up to get to that very top and if you don't do that, all that happens, like with what would happen with Gatland, we had a very good, you know, maybe 30 players at the top that were invested in, and then five of them retire, and you go, oh, crap, we've got to find another five players to to fill those gaps, and those players aren't there because they weren't coming up. You might find the odd one here and there, but they weren't, they weren't enough coming up. And the governance that's in place is stopping people from making that big decision it's it's stopping people from saying let's go and change things let's go and do things and it's it's wrong it's 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 holding us back you know i'm quite happy that at the minute people are starting to talk about it because i've been banging on about this for god my wife tells me to shut up <laughs> she, she, she won't even, if, if there's rugby on the telly now she goes out she goes out shopping which is costing me an absolute arm on the leg you know i'll be honest mate i think the one thing i've learned over the last two months of talking to you the only words your wife knows is shut up <laughs> yeah yeah she's <laughs> she she just uh, i think you, you get to that stage where you're talking about stuff and to me it's quite simple stuff you know, we need to do bang, 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 bang. You know, there, there's a whole list of stuff that we need to do. And and I'm sitting there and I'm going, we should be doing this, we should be doing this, this needs to change, he needs to go, that position is wrong. You know, when everybody needs... The, the bit we're in at the minute it is we're starting to create divisions in the game. Well, there are divisions in the game that are starting to pull themselves further apart instead of work out how to how to help each other. And and that's the worst thing that's happening at the minute. And and that's happening because at a point where we could have done something about it, everybody was giving themselves a great big pat on the back going, look how good we are. Look at us. We've we've we we've got a, a another grand slam. Look at us. We're amazing. We're in the semi-final of the World Cup. We're fantastic. 
and it wasn't it wasn't fantastic and and people need to understand that rugby is a is a process over time this year's under sevens will be playing for your senior team in 15 years time so you'll that that's that's the process you need to look at and every time they touch a ball in between that first time where they they, they pick up a ball at under sevens and the last time that they they set foot on a rugby pitch there has to be development all the way through and we just don't get it we no I, and i it. and i think a lot of people who have never been involved with a rugby club at that stage outside of just the playing capacity and you, you could probably talk, go and talk to any age grade coach and they can tell you a lot of the issues. Hmm. And it, it does baffle you sometimes because, like you said, you know, these kids at under sevens, they are going to be the future senior team. Hmm. But like the difference between junior committees and senior committees, it, it, it it's unreal. You, it's, massive. it's like yeah. it's like with, with my club right now, they, they really they're not that bothered until they hit the youth age. Like they care about seniors and youth, anyone underneath or oh, bugger them. Yeah, the juniors can deal with that. You know, oh, you, you need you need money for something. Um, oh, we'll we'll see what we got we can get from the development grant. You know, you're not coming into our part. Yeah, yeah. It is. And and to add to that, like a, a club I was involved with a couple of years ago, that you say about the coaching that's needed. I I, I can't name them because you know I I'm not mm. going to do that. I'm not that type of person. But only one coach there. Over they had an under sevens, eights, nines, and tens. There was only one coach who was qualified, for, and there was about nine coaches. Yeah, it's not on. And no. you're just thinking, yeah, they've all got DBSs, but if if they can't attend a two hour course, hmm. just an that, that, that is literally it. That is all the tag rugby is. Hmm. The early contact is is four hours, and the first two hours of that is the same as the tag anyway. So if you've done the tag within the last few months, they'll generally say, you know, it, if you're struggling, don't worry about it. Mm. And it, it is literally so easy. And they, they have done them online in the past. Like mm. I, I can remember I, I done uh, my, my tag and my early contact top up online just because it, it was just easier. Just mm. so that, you know, I, I remember what I'm actually doing, like to make sure they haven't changed nothing. Yeah. And, Obviously, you haven't been to an under sevens one day game in a long time. <laughs> but the amount of kids that just grab a tag and toss them on a floor, it does my nothing. <laughs> I mean, it, it's a basic tag etiquette. You grab a tag, you lift it up, you shout tag, and then you wait for the, the player to pass the ball and you give it back. And the whole <laughs> point of it is to take the person who's tagging and, and being tagged out of the game to create that little bit more space. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. absolutely no one does it, mm. and, and it's, it's basic. It's a basic part of sportsmanship throughout the whole game. You know, you these little things you you build on, you build on, you build on, yeah. and if it's if it's not there at the younger age, it's not going to be there at the older age. Well, that comes to discipline, though, and 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 that's a lot of what I think we've lost in the game in Wales. That personal discipline about, um, you know, you. You, you say about stuff like that, that then builds into a stage of where, uh, and I used to say to my boys that discipline is doing the right thing when there's nobody around to tell you to do it, you know. Uh, and that is, you know, if you're a kicker, are you going to go and get five or six balls and spend a bit of time kicking, you know, in your own time? 
Are you going to spend a bit of time down the gym? Are you going to spend a bit of time doing your own fitness? Are you going to spend a bit of time with a couple of your mates just doing passing skills? You know, and and that's the discipline that we should be coaching into players from an uh, from a young age. Yeah, not not building robots and saying you do this and then you do this and then you do this. Yeah, but building basic stuff into them that this is how you pass a ball. The the amount of kids I see nowadays who cannot pass a ball properly. You know, they're still doing swing passes and, and you're sitting there going like, right, well, uh, you know, you, 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 your plane of trajectory there, you've got a one in, in 180 degree chance of getting that ball in the right place. Yeah. Or you do it like this. And and I did it once. There were some kids playing down on the park and I was walking the dogs and I kind of walked around the outside of them and it just drove me nuts. I said, right, boys, stop. Because the way you're passing the ball is wrong. Let me show you how to pass the ball. These kids were 13, 14. Nobody'd shown them how to pass a ball, you know? And and I'm sitting there going, how do you get to that age? Well, I know how you get to that age because nobody showed me. I didn't get shown until I did went into my coaching courses after I'd retired playing, you know? And I've been going, oh, my God, I've, play, I've just played the game for 20 years, passing the ball wrong. But mind you, I didn't use a pass ball. I just scored try. It's, it's a lot easier. Shall I pass? Shall I score? Yeah, no, yeah, I, I just know. score. <laughs> but... I think that that's part of the governance of the game is that we don't we don't say to the to those junior players and those junior teams you don't put enough emphasis on those and saying look you know your part in in, in developing young players is this yeah it's about building skills it's about building numbers it's about building enjoyment and all I see I see, I see it now. Uh, under sevens, under eights, under nines, parents and coaches absolutely giving it mental about winning. Yeah. And you're like, you, you're not there. You're not going to win the World Cup at under sevens. No. What you could do is develop the skills to look at the space and to look at how to pass and to look at how to run a supporting line at under seven. You can actually do that at under sevens, you know, and you can then build on those skills. So when you get to 18, 19, 20, yeah, you may well be in a national squad and, and this, that and the other. But I just I just think we, we've got some of the system wrong where we focus on the wrong or we allow people to focus on the wrong things. And that's because there is no direction from above, you know, there's, there's no, for the community game, there is no direction because community, the, the way community clubs look at it is if we develop a decent player, we're losing to the Scarlets. Yeah. And they see that as a negative and it shouldn't be, it should be a positive. There should be a structure in place that says at the minute you, you get, funding at junior level for every player and every coach, every qualified coach you have. Yeah. And that, that determines how much funding you get for your junior section. There should be something in there that says, actually, if you produce a player that goes on to play professional rugby, you get a little bit of something as well. If your club produces a referee that goes on to referee at senior level, your club gets a little something as well. And, and we need to connect the two. We need to separate them and say, this is your role. And this is your role. You stick to that. You stick to that. This is how you interact. Because at the minute, it's it, they're just banging heads going, I want this and I want this and we want that. And 
and and it's pulling them further apart, not bringing them together. And this is why my wife doesn't want to sit and listen to me talk about rugby. <laughs> no, I, I completely understand you, mate. There, there is no there's no benefit to the clubs to create those top end players. No, as, as soon as you develop a, a a decent player, you lose that player. He'll, he'll go up the line. That that's the attitude. But those those clubs are more than happy to then sit there when it does when a player does get to that top level, they're more than happy to sit there and go, Oh yeah, look at our player, he's amazing, come and join us and we'll produce you to we'll turn you into that player. That sort of a thing, you know. There's got to be a better way of connecting those two. And I think a lot of it is tied up in the fact that it's 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 an adversarial approach that we take based on the way the WIU is set up. You know, is I I I I keep going back to think of it like a jigsaw. Yeah, if we were sitting down doing a jigsaw now, you'd want a picture. Yeah, and I'd go to you and I'd go right, Mark. You 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 start looking for the edge pieces. Yeah, and I'll start looking for like that key picture. So there's a big yellow blob in the middle. So I'll start looking for that big yellow blob, and you start looking for the outside pieces. And when you've done the outside pieces and I've done the big yellow blob then we'll have a look at what's missing and we'll work out between us how we how we complete that jigsaw based on the picture that we see. At the minute, within rugby, we've got no picture. We've got nothing to hold the jigsaw pieces together. And we've got five people all going. All five of you want to complete that jigsaw at the same time. Do you know what I mean? And there's only 100 pieces there. And, and I just think... We need a better. We need better leadership. We need better governance, and, and we need a, a rethink of who does what in the game in Wales. And, and I think that goes beyond the game. I think that goes outside the game. It goes into communities, into politics, into finance, into all of this stuff that is probably beyond the remit of, of, of the WRU. But unless somebody stands up and says, "This is what we need to do." nothing's going to happen and we're going to be in the same thing again and and my wife's going to be going shopping and left right and center it's going to cost me an arm and a leg i'm going to be bankrupt because every time i start talking about rugby my wife goes shopping so yeah that's where we are i i, yeah, need them. I, think, I think we'll calm you down now but i, I think <laughs> i think we have to move on to something else Just, uh, you're going a bit red in the face i think your blood uh, pressure's I, rising a bit but the the more i think about it and talk about it the more it winds me up but then, you really are you're purple in the face i can see it <laughs> i've been calm for most of this week i've been letting other people have a rant and i just yeah i just got to that stage all right okay this, you're that busy yeah. bottle you're, you're ready to explode yeah but the thing is is i've been talking about this for 10 15 years mate and, and i've been talking to it to, i've been saying this to people in clubs into organizations and all that happens is they tell you to go away because they don't like what you're saying. Well, and... what you need to do is you need to get a megaphone and pop down Westgate Street and uh, start yeah. shouting at the top of your lungs. Well, I tell you what, mate, it, uh, it wasn't so long ago where we had a problem in our local club with the the guy who was chairman at the time. And it was it, it was part of this whole evolution not revolution you know it won't take too long and you know he's he's getting old and he'll he'll be out and i was like no that's this is it's not the way we need to do it this is we we need different structure different all of this kind of stuff 
And it ended up with the only way I could do it was going to the AGM and publicly challenging people, you know, every single member that was on that committee, and some of them were my friends, and I'm sitting there going like this, this is this is bullshit, boys. You cannot carry on like this because you're going to end up without a club in a couple of years' time. And all sorts of stuff. I got kicked out. A couple of the boys that supported me got kicked out of that meeting. We got kicked out of the club. We got told not to come back. And then the season after, everything fell to pieces. He left. A couple of new people come in. And then they went up three divisions. You know? Oh, no. Yeah. So, anyway, there we go. Let's let's talk about Scarlet. Yay. <laughs> let's, let's get back to rugby. Let's talk about Scarlet. So... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Bennett, yeah. I'm going to give myself a heart attack one of these days, and I? I really am. <laughs> oh, yeah, you're pretty close for there, mate. <laughs> let's, let's talk about Scarlet Stormers on Friday night. So it's on BBC Two. Um, I think it's quarter past seven. Or was it quarter past six? I forget which way the timing works. I, I, it's think, on... it's, I think it's seven o'clock. I'll, we, I can, we should double-check that now just to make sure we give the right information out. <laughs> <laughs> well... Scarlets have published the squads that they they're taking down. Um, five o'clock, five o'clock kickoff is is what we've got. Um, yeah, so Scarlets have published the squad that they've taken down. They've taken thirty boys down. What do you make of the squad that they've they've taken? I, I think it's pretty decent. You know, there's uh, a good amount of experience. Uh, I, I like the look that. Um... You know, we got Dan Davis, Carolyn Tupolotu, and Archie Hughes going, mm. which is, is brilliant. You know, I mm. like seeing uh, some of the younger boys and some of the, you know, the, the fringe players going down. I'm, I'm, I'm a bit disappointed that Sam O'Connor's not going because uh, mm. Phil Price has been, uh, has, has gone instead of him. I think it would have been uh, good for Sam's development at this point in his career. You know, I think he's only had the one sub appearance for us so far. Would have been nice to just go down and have the experience. Obviously, probably don't play, but mm. just to be in and around those environments is is brilliant for anyone's development. Uh, we have lost a, a few boys, you know, to Wales. We all know, and this extra game against Australia is going to hit us a little bit. And I, I started looking at uh, the Stormer side to see, you know, oh, how many boys have they lost, mm. and. I think they the lost only... eight. I think they lost eight players to yes, to something like that. But the only ones who've really been consistently playing from this year is Libak, the ten, uh, Ori, the lock, and I cannot say his name. He's a centre wing, Feinberg Ngomazulu. No, I'll take and... your word for that. Yeah, I'll take your word for that. <laughs> yeah, they they the only they're the only three that have of of all those selected for the box that have mm. been involved in almost every match day squad. Mm. So they're really not losing much. Like, you know, Kitsoff and Malherba, they've only they've only started one game and I think I think Kitsoff has been a sub in another. So this mm. is still the Stormer side that has been playing all the way through the URC so far. So mm. they're not necessarily going to be any weaker mm. where where we kind of are a little bit. I I think the only place where we suffer is at Hooker. Because obviously we've got Ken and uh, Ryan out uh, in in the national side. I mean, 
fullback with Halfpenny. Um, who are we taking? We're taking Yoan McNichol, Rogers, Combia are all, all going to be all backs. I, I think. Yeah, and Yoan Nicholas is it? Nicholas and, yeah. and Steph Evans are going to be covering yeah. centre. Corey so, Baldwin as well. Yeah. Yeah, and you know that's a that's a decent enough coverage of that that back um, that backfield. I, I I don't think that that our backs are suffering from international fatigue. If you like, your Scott Williams is back. I think he is just so influential for us at the minute that when it, when he is on the park, we play well. You know, we've got Patchell going, we've got Dan Jones going. Gareth Davis go, Archie Hughes is going as well. You know, there's a decent depth in our backline now that if we give them the ball, they they should be doing stuff. You know, yeah, I I, I know we've got those players going, but I do see half back as, as a bit of an issue because you know Gareth Davis hasn't exactly performed very well for us this season, and Archie Hughes, he's a young boy. I'm really looking forward to seeing Archie. Hmm. Like I I watched. Um, some of the S4C games on the Thursday night, and he, he looked pretty decent. Same as uh, Harry Williams, another young scrum half. He got a lightning pass. I'm looking forward to him coming through over the next few years. And we move into 10. I don't think Dan Jones has played particularly well, and Patchell really hasn't had much of an opportunity. So I am a little bit worried with mm. 9 and 10. Not saying that they can't do it, because obviously they've done it in the past. They are, you know, Gareth Davis and Patchell are both international class players. Mm. So there's no reason why they can't, you know, step up and do a job. It's just not seeing it so far this season. I am a little bit worried. Yeah, there's a little bit of form missing, isn't it? More than anything. I think it's good to see players back from injury more than anything. Like so, uh, Scott Williams back from injury. I say Topolotu, Dan Davis, Lazana. Uh, Shingler had a few games before, so he's coming back. And then you've got Fafita and Lucy coming back from cards. You know, there, there's a lot of players going there that are, you know, we haven't seen we haven't seen much of um, uh, Taylor Davis. Uh, we haven't seen him at all, have we? No, I think we've seen him a couple of times at Kamal and Quinns or um, maybe Clinetley. But yeah, it, it's, I, I think front row is, is the place where we're weakest if anything um, but saying that you know Sebastian is allegedly an international prop Will Griff John allegedly an international prop um, and neither of them are first choice in my eyes it, no same for me mate same for me but you know if if that front row can stand up then we've actually got you know quite a decent kind of set of plays behind that. You know, if you've got Luisi and, and Fafita in the second row and then you know Blade Thompson, Lozana and Calamafoni behind that, or or even, you know, Dan Z- uh, Dan Davis and Aaron Shingler, you know, that's that's a decent squad. You know? Yeah, I'm I'm quite happy with our uh, with our front row at the minute. Um I I think Stefan Thomas was is one of those fringe not fringe players, but one of those people on the fringes of the wheel squad at the minute mm. with Wynn Jones are injured and Carrie not considered. I, I think Stefan Thomas could probably count himself a little bit unlucky not to have been involved with the wheel setup in some shape or form. Mm. I mean, Davos has, has proved decent enough as a hooker, as a young hooker. Taylor Davis 
the same with the Dragons. He had a, had a pretty good season. And like you said, and you know, we have got a supposedly international players at tight dead. So I, I, I'm happy with, with our front row as, as it stands. It, it'd be nice if uh, Wynn Jones was fit. But, you know, mm. he'd be off of Wales if he was. So, you know, that that's kind of out of the, out of the window anyway. Mm. Uh, I'm, I'm a little bit unsure on Locke just because we've only taken three locks with us. You know, Jack Price and Morgan Jones and Josh Helps, who I think is back fit again, have mm-hmm. been left home. I, I'm not 100% sure why. I think Jack Price may, be, may have a niggle or, an, or a full injury. But mm. the other two, uh, I, I don't understand why we've only taken three locks with us. Yeah, and I think you've got Shingler and Blade Thompson can both play at lock. Um, they're, they're a bit like, you know, Lousy and Fafita, that they can play second row, back row. They're that kind of dynamic player. Um, so you've effectively got one, two, three, four, yeah, four players who can play second row and blindside, you know. So it's it's one of those things that I never used to like switching between back row and second row. Because second row, you don't get the ball as much as you used to in back row. It's not as much fun. But it, it is a difficult change to make. But the boys that we've got there do it quite a bit. So, you know, no reason why they can't. Do you know what I mean? It's it's yeah, the norm for them. You know, switching from second row just to blindside is one thing. I mean, I, I'm a bit concerned of the other way, asking Shingler or Thompson to step into lock. I, yeah, they have done it in the past. And, you know, they are very capable but they haven't done it in quite a while. So that, that does put me on edge a little bit. You know, mm. it's, it's a different role in the scrum. Uh, it, it shouldn't be too much different in a line-out just because, you know, you, you, you've got X amount of bodies there anyway. You can keep your same role. Mm. But, you know, that the scrum is something that's going to be tested massively over the next two weeks down in South Africa. So, mm. you know, having a lock that's not used to being that tight and, get, and getting both your shoulders under... It, it can be an issue. Well, hopefully they've had a couple of weeks together now. They've had a you know, bit of time off, a bit of a break. Um, new coaches coming in, bit of emphasis, and, and you can almost shake out the first part of the season and go, right, okay, let's let's just look at the next six weeks. Let's see how we go. Um, so I'm hoping for a bit of a response. I'm hoping that Friday night is the start to the recovery that we've been, you know, we're, we're not that far away from being a good team with those first kind of three or four games, you know, certainly the Ulster game, if we'd have played that way against everybody else and the, and the Ospreys game, if we'd have played that way for the rest of the season, we'd have been fine. Um, so, yeah, I, I think if we can really find that form, and I think Scott Williams is, is key to kind of igniting that kind of, that style of play, then I think we'll. I think we're in with a chance. I think we're in with yeah. a chance. I'm not expecting a win against the Stormers, but I'm hoping for a good performance. The Lions, who are, you know, they they are really a different team than what we faced last year. They mm. have performed incredibly well, and they are fronting up massively. So uh, I, I know they're a week away, and that's you know a week down the line. But I, I'm hoping to see something against the Lions, where you know we, I'm hoping for a win there if I'm totally honest. I think last time we went down, we played the Lions on the Friday night and then we played the Sharks, I think, on the Saturday. I think it was it was Sharks first, then the Bulls. We had Lions at home, I can remember attending yeah. that. Ah, right. And that first game, we played 
Again, yeah, and we were not that far away from winning that game. So I think people will underestimate uh, who's going down there. I think people won't be expecting too much from us. And I think they might put out a bit of a a development side against us, a bit of a lighter side. And I think we're going down there with a, a point to prove. And I think I think we're going to come away with certainly at least one victory out of, out of that. I think you're right with the Stormers and an A side because they are going into the Champions Cup for the first time, and I think they might, they might be thinking, oh, okay, let's make sure everybody's got to run out, everyone's fit, so we can really give us ourselves a good show for the first time in Europe. Yeah, yeah. Fingers crossed. So let's let's finish up with some predictions then, and then we'll quickly have a look. There's not many games in the community game this week, so predictions for um, Scarlets and Stormers. You go first. Oh, I'm always going to predict a win just because we're the Scarlet. You just said win. that you can't see us winning. I can't see us winning, but I'm going to predict us winning. <laughs> that's that's the difference with me. My my professional feeling <laughs> and my heart are two very different things. Right, go so, on. Uh, I'm always going to go for a Scarlet. You should know that by now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see. We've had Lee Blackett for a month, so uh, let's, let's hope our attacking game's picked up a little bit more. So, ooh. let's go 26-23. Oh, so you're going close game. You're going close game. I'm I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go 20 points to 10. Scarlets win. I think we'll. I think it'll just be one of those games where everything works well and there's a whole lot of pressure. We hold out the pressure. You know, our scrum holds up, our ruck, our maul, our line out, all of, all of that stuff holds up. You know, I defer we get a good testing in defence, and then we'll have a couple of a couple of decent tries as well. And I can just see twenty points to ten, and coming off everybody smiling and happy. So that's my prediction. <laughs> yeah. So. Let's uh, uh, we will talk about that obviously next week and 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 how close to predictions where we actually were. But so we'll um, actually have a proper game to review next week. It'd be nice. Yeah. Well, we still got the Australia game to. Uh, anyway, I'm just see. This is <laughs> this is why I start getting. Uh, let's talk about the the community game because um, it's a um, bit of a week off, bit of a catch up week this week. So. You were saying earlier only two games, two two game, two cup games. Yeah, you said, yeah. Two massive cup games. We got Aberystwyth at home to Dunvant, mm-hmm. and we've got Tenby at home to Hoylakow. And in both of those games, okay, it is the winner who qualifies for the knockouts in the cup. Right. Okay. It, they, 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 there's a little bit with Tenby and Hoylakow's group that it, it's possible. That you know, resolve and could hold firm in that top spot. But as it stands, the way it's looking, the winners are going through to the knockouts. So these are big games for these clubs. Hmm. And wasn't Hale Q the boys where they couldn't the get a bus? Yeah. I just think on that, that Tembi are going to kind of make them pay. Um. I, I, I'm surprised I the game is being played. If you're going to use that excuse, you deserve to forfeit the match. Not just because, you know, I'm I'm in favour of Tembi, but if you're going to pull that one out the day of or the day before, it, it, it's, it's pathetic. Yeah, yeah. 
uh, I, I can see a comfortable Tenby victory there. Um, I don't think it'll be a high-scoring one because the weather's meant to be absolutely abominable for this weekend. But it is what it is. If that's when the game's got to go ahead, the game, I'm assuming it's going to be an early kickoff. It's going to be a one o'clock kickoff, probably, isn't it? But it's um, it's going to be crazy weather this weekend. So, well, let's hope it's enough to uh, play the games, or at least sixty minutes, so that the result stands. Yeah, yeah. Well, the one that that kind of will be more affected is the Aberystwyth game. Is that in Aberystwyth or in Dunbar? Yeah, it's 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 home for Aber. That's, and again, that's a wide open. If they're still playing on the same pitch, it's a wide open, exposed pitch. Um, that you know, trying to pass a ball on that with a fifty mile an hour wind telling you no, is is going to be an interesting game. So, yeah. I I can see Aberystwyth coming away with that again. Home game, Dunvant aren't going to want to be there. There's going to be players that don't want to travel. Um. Uh, Wales are yeah. a, a quarter past three kickoff, so you know anyone who goes is effectively not going to be home or back in their own clubhouse yeah. for the game. So fingers crossed they send weak sides. Not that not that Arbor or Denby need it, but uh, you know a, a helping hand uh, never goes amiss, does it? No, exactly, exactly. So are you are you predicting Tenby and Aberystwyth as well then? Oh, definitely. Yeah, cool. Definitely. So we'll have an extra couple of bodies in the in the knockout rounds as well. Yeah, hopefully. Well, after this week, we should know who's playing who and when. Because uh, I think January twenty third sticks in my head as the next round of the the cup. Yeah, I the, think that's the fixtures have come out. Um, I'm sure I, I I posted them on the page, but it's a complicated setup with some oh, some of the is. games still to be played. Yeah. It is. Oh, I remember seeing them come out. Yes, yes, I remember now. They. Yeah, complicated as hell. Yeah, twenty first of January is when the next um, round is. And uh, let me have a quick look there. Yeah, Aberystwyth. If they get through, they'll be playing Penalta. Oh, is it Penalta? 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 Penalto? Anyway, they'll be playing there. I don't know. But they... Neither do I. I'm not trying. No, that's it. That's that's half the problem. Is uh, is that? Um, and then if Tembi get through. Um, I'll just have a little. Oh, have they got a buy? Uh, I've gone on to the um, the the league fixtures. I have. Um, let me have a look. There we go. Cup fixtures. Let's have a little look. If Tembi, why are they not in there? I'm pretty sure someone's got a buy. Uh, they might be Group I because there's three of them that can qualify. Well, yeah, winner Group I. Yeah, uh, so they'd be buy. Yeah, so they. They'd get through. Well, again, that's stupid. They one, two, three buys, four buys, four games get a buy. Well, uh, uh, we'll talk about that another time. <laughs> we we'll discuss that at a later date. Um, and then Division Three. I don't think there might have been one or two going through, mightn't there? Yeah, I'm sure we. I'm sure we got someone in it in every round. Well, you know, before this weekend games. Yeah. Oh, so in uh, Division Two, um, 21st of January, Lan versus Sinclair's again. <laughs> that would be fun. Um, 
yeah, Harford West got through. They play either Vardra or Swansea, uh, Swansea Uplands. Sorry. So uh, yeah. Oh, that'll be a, that'll be a good one. But it is just it is just Harford West that got through, and then Larn and St Clair's, and they play each other. So there we go, my friend. There we go. Right, okie cokey. Well, with that in mind, then it is time to to bring this happy meeting to a close, my friend. Um, fingers crossed, there'll be some decent rugby played this weekend, and uh, uh, I won't have to fill the gap with my rants about the WIU and. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> things. Yeah, we, we wait for the Six Nations for that now, isn't it? Yeah, we'll fill it in then. But <laughs> anyway, mate, you have a, you have a good weekend. Enjoy your rugby, and I will catch up with you next week, my friend. No worries, mate. Pleasure talking to you again. And Bye-bye. you, mate. Cheers, mate. You have been listening to the Westerer is Besterer podcast from the Scarlet Supporters PEMS team. You can follow us on Twitter on Scarlet PEMS, find us on Facebook with Scarlet Supporters Pembrokeshire, or email us on scarletspems at gmail.com. And remember, West is best, but Westerer is Besterer. Cheers. Podcast Network.